0: Cool, cool, alrighty, I'll uh, I'll count us in and then we'll get cracking Cool, All right. cool, Three, two, one. Welcome back Giants fans, the latest bonus edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast Uh, This week we are 100% British but absolutely still 100% Giants We're minus Kev but we've got a very very special guest in for you today Giants fans Uh, None other than journalist and writer for The Athletic uh follows the giants all year round and is the main reason I subscribe to the Athletic every month. It's uh Mr. Dan Duggan joins us on the podcast today. Afternoon Dan, how are you? Or should I say morning? How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm good. Appreciate that. Yeah, and I'm Irish, so I guess I can fill in and uh round it out here.
0: Well there you go. It's almost like it's written in the stars for you to be on today. <laughs> Minus our Irish contingent today you can be the you can fly the trickler today for us. That's great. <laughs> um but no really thanks uh, for coming on man we really really appreciate it and obviously know it's a busy time of year for you so i appreciate you taking the time out to come and speak with us um even though we're thousands of miles away we're uh we're still just as passionate about the giants as uh some uh some of the fans over the, on your side of the pond so yeah really appreciate your time man absolutely guys craig shane how you doing
2: yeah all good um it's nice jumping on for a bonus episode, and yeah, I echo everything that Dan said. It's great to have you on, Dan. Um, again, I'm a subscriber, and you know, love reading the articles and the tweets. And can only imagine how, how busy it is so? you know, massive thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us on here today. I'm yeah, putting, uh,
3: happy to be here. Putting up with my persistence as well. After I think I messaged you like beginning of off season last year. Um, yeah. And we, we exchanged the the email and uh a kind of time must have got away from us. So yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for coming back to me and uh
1: let's get cracking. Now, well, listen, I'm I'm big on I always follow up with people and I'll badger people in my job. So I certainly can't uh hold it against anybody else that does the same. You gotta do what you gotta <laughs> do to, to get results, yeah, you, you, so. you
0: gotta take you gotta take as good as you can give, right? Exactly. Exactly. Cool, um yeah, we're just gonna run off. So we've got some questions so we wanna ask you and obviously to get things from your perspective. Um and just sort of just give our listeners a bit of an idea as to as to who you are and to what you do and and why the Giants, I suppose. So um we just want to go back sort of to your sort of early sort of sporting memories. As in like what was your earliest sporting memory as a child? Like what's the first thing you remember about sport?
1: Wow, going way back there. Um so I mean I grew up in Boston, so it's like, you know, enemy territory. Obviously, okay. so covering a New York team uh and i was just like sports obsessed so i mean i couldn't even say my earliest memory because it's my. i have a two-year-old son right now and he literally sleeps with footballs in his bed and like he makes me you know throw the ball to me and he can't catch it or hit it yet like so i think i was pretty much the same way so it's kind of been just in my dna from from day one uh so i guess it worked out like i Obviously, until you're about like twelve or fourteen, I wanted to be a professional athlete, and you know, at some point, their reality set in that probably wasn't going to happen. So this is kind of the next best thing, where right? I at least still get to be around sports, and you know, it doesn't really feel like work when you get to, uh, you know, watch games and and talk about it and tweet about it and all this other stuff that you know I'd be doing if I wasn't covering it. So it worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, even better you get paid for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat it. So you get you get paid for doing something you love and talking about something you love, so you can't really beat that. Um, so obviously growing up in Boston, then. Um, what sports teams did you follow?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, kind of the, the ones you'd expect. I um, was a diehard Red Sox fan when I was younger and not really a big baseball guy anymore. I kind of had to go by the wayside. there's only so many hours in the day, and uh, 162 games just kind of became tough with uh, a yeah. wife and kids and uh, how much time I spent with football. But, yeah, Patriots, Celtics. It wasn't really a huge hockey guy, but, you know, I would jump on the Bruins bandwagon. But the, the main three were uh, definitely Red Sox, Patriots, and then Celtics.
0: Nice. Uh, Boston throwing through then no when it comes to sports teams. Cool. Do you still follow any of them?
1: No, it's funny. you know. And that a thing where a lot of, you know, when I kind of came out early on that I was from Boston and people think I was like this, still a Patriots fan, it's like, you know, you kind of lose that fandom when you get into this business. Like, I, you know, when I, my first job out of college, I was working at the Boston Herald and Ian Rappaport actually was at the Boston Herald covering the Patriots at the time. So he's a great guy to, to learn from and work with. But a lot of times he would, um, you know, I'd then have a road game on a Sunday, and Belichick being Belichick would have his press conference on Monday at like 8 a.m. or some ungodly early hour. Yep. So none of the main beat reporters, you know, they don't charter a flight home like the team does, could ever get there. So I'd be the poor sap. I'm like 24, 25 years old. And it was one of them, I, I remember, it might have been like 2009, was like 25. And they weren't bad. They were like 10 and 6, 11 and 5, but they had some bad losses. They had some controversies. So I'd have to be, so that's, you know.
0: Was that the, the Matt Castle year? Or just after? No, it was
1: a year after. I, mean, I think it was on nine. They had some big free agents that didn't really pan out. Um, again, it's a bad loss. It was a year they lost to the Colts, but they went for it on like fourth and two late in the game. I think it was on nine. Cool, yeah. Anyways, I'd have to go trembling into these press cards just to ask Belichick like hard questions. And you just get that <laughs> nothing, you know, you shoot it <laughs> down just stares at you. And it just, you know. So my, my long, that's a long way to say that, like, that kind of beat the fandom out of you. I didn't then go home and be like, oh, I love Bill Belichick. You know, it becomes a job and everything becomes a job. And you just – you deal with so many people. So you look – you know, you might root for people to some extent. I will say – I will confess that, like, I didn't really care how the Patriots did. But, like, if they're in the Super Bowl – like, Tom Brady, I was a fan of him before I got into this business. I was in high school and college when he was one of those first couple of Super Bowls. So I did always have a soft spot for Tom Brady. So, like, when he's with the Bucs, I still – you know, I still want to see him do well. Uh, but the the kind of rooting part that went by the wayside. The only thing I really probably still root for is the Celtics, because basketball is actually my favorite sport, and I've been sort of separate them for so long that I don't know any of the coaches, any of the players. So I can just watch that in the springtime. You know, I'll jump on the bandwagon in the playoffs. They've obviously been pretty good, and uh, I get to just have fun as a fan because it's not anything I deal with on a daily basis at all.
0: Yeah, man. So the uh, the you yeah, must be pretty happy the issue with the Celtics doing well, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's great. Like I said, that, that's that's a fun part because I can I can just kind of root for that and not have to like, you know, consider, you know, again, like the Patriots are good or bad. To me, it doesn't make any difference. I'm working all day Sunday. anyways. I get to the score maybe when I get home or I'll see my friends group chat exploding when they're, you know, they're not doing well and everyone's ready to fire everyone. But other than that, um, yeah, the Celtics only team I actually really kind of will root for at this point.
0: Cool. You can just sit back, relax and enjoy the game. That's cool. Exactly. Um, so talking basketball, so you're director of the O'Connell Thompson basketball tournament, uh, which has been going since 06. How did that come about?
1: Oh, yeah, wow! you did the you did research. So, um, yeah, that was actually between...
0: that's That's producer Craig right there.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, well, two of my friends actually passed away while I was in college. So we started a, a memorial tournament for them Uh, in 06, which was the year I graduated college. That ran for 14 years. And then, unfortunately, it was a, a casualty of COVID because we couldn't do it that first year. And then the next year, it was still kind of dodgy to do it. And we just, uh, you know, it's it, it actually... I guess it's officially over. I guess I haven't officially ended it on my LinkedIn or have you found that? But um yeah, so that was that was kind of a labor of love. You know, it was, we raised money for scholarship uh funds that set up at the high school. It's a good way to get um you know a lot of people in the community together and that type of thing. But yeah, then, unfortunately, COVID just kind of put an end to that. With like that's it with a lot of things.
0: Yeah, man, 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people and. Uh... It's a shame because if, you, if you're raising funds for for kids to get scholarships and stuff like that, which is going to help in the future in regards to education, you know, to have something like COVID and bring that to an end is a bit of a shame, really, because it's obviously helped out a lot of kids as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it, it was, you know, and we made, you know, we raised, couple hundred bucks maybe a thousand bucks it was more just for the the camaraderie of getting everyone together and you know again I love playing basketball so it's fun just to have a you know a good basketball tournament every summer to look forward to so yeah no it was definitely bittersweet but at the same time like I said I got a I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old uh, it was gonna be <laughs> getting harder to find the times a lot of work that goes into organizing something like that so uh, priorities yeah so I guess it was probably it was probably uh meant to run its course at some point anyways. And COVID just kind of expedited the process
0: yeah sort of bought it for a few years maybe <laughs> right so, cool so great
1: you,
3: so you um you said about obviously you wanted to be a uh as, as we probably all did when we were kids as well you always look up at sportsmen um so what was it that led you to pursue journalism as, you, as the career then
1: yeah i mean it was literally just kind of like uh looking at it practically like again i really wanted to be involved in sports and i was good at writing so it just kind of like <laughs> seemed like an obvious thing to marry him like i was like when I was in elementary school, you know, we had to do journals every day in, like, first and second grade, and I would just write, like, basically sports articles, because i read, the, I'd read the newspaper, I'd read Sports Illustrated, I'd read all that stuff, and it's funny, I still remember when like, second grade teacher was, like, like, would write, like, oh, you're gonna be a sports writer someday, so, you know, Mrs. <laughs> Herbert, shout out to you, she called it long before anyone else did, but yeah, I've just always been obsessed with sports, and like I said, it, it kind of married, I had some talent writing, had the passion for sports, so, like, I don't know. I just hope I can ride this as long as kicks. Can, I can't really do anything else. So hopefully this is a long. I, I, got, I got to get like 30 more years prior to retirement. So, you know, the way this industry is going, that's a little daunting. But, you know, if I can make it, uh, I'll be very happy because I, I love doing it.
3: Oh, awesome. I mean, Dan's already kind of rumbled me as doing a bit of research and actually looking into some stuff here. So, uh, so you started with NewJersey.com covering Rutgers football after Boston.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. so I was in, yeah, so I was in Boston. I, like I said, I graduated college in 06. I uh, worked at the Herald till 2012, then moved down here in, in 2012 and um, got my kind of breakdown here covering Rutgers football for mm-hmm. NJ.com, the star ledger, kind of the big outlet in New Jersey. So I covered Rutgers for the 2013, 14, and 15 seasons. And then when Jordan Renan, he was at NJ.com covering the Giants. When he left go to ESPN, I got bumped up to take his spot at engine covering the Giants. Uh, so cover the Giants at engine for two years, and then have been at the Athletics since twenty eighteen. So all together, I'm, I'm done seven years, which is like crazy on the Giants. because time flies. Uh, but yes, yeah, so and the five I'm at the Athletic.
3: So after covering the Giants for that long, is it? How does it? How do you word this? Do you go for? a fan or is it an affiliation that you, you kind of are with the team? Do you get the opportunity to really be a fan or, or do you just kind of look at it as this is the team I kind of follow. So there's a little bit there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess affiliation is probably a good word. Certainly not fan. I think like, you know, in this, in this role, you really can't be a fan. Um, you know, you have to write objectively. You have to, especially the team's been bad. So it'd be really hard. <laughs> it <been> hard <laughs> to cover the team with a fan for, you know, five out of the seven yeah. years we on the beat. Um, so, yeah, you try, to be, you, know, you try to be fair. I mean, when they're good, you want to write positively. When they're bad, you have to write, you know, cover the negative aspects. But, yeah, so i definitely not a fan. I mean, again, there's you're still human, and there's players or coaches or p- people in the organization that you like. You try not to let that shade your coverage any more than there's people you don't like and, and let that influence your coverage. But you know, that is probably something you have to balance, uh, and I hope to try and do a good job of that. But, yeah, no, you really – like I said, you just can't be a fan because, again, you're – like – you're doing a job so like the result of the game doesn't really impact my day it's kind of like how things go like was the press conference running late was the locker room you know not a lot of players were in it stuff like that is what you start to get so involved in the minutia of like your job like whether Mm -hmm. they win or lose doesn't I mean obviously when they go to the playoffs that has an impact when they're you know three and 13 that has an impact but kind of day to day how the team is doing doesn't have a, a drastic impact so yeah I don't really root necessarily for Wins and losses. I refer for, uh, like we all do, probably in our in our lives. Selfishly, what makes my job easier and better? So that that's kind of my main
0: uh, focus People, day day. people talk and make your life easier,
1: right? 100%. Yeah, like you know, like a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, like that. that those types of guys are welcome. You know, you want some personality. You want guys with uh, who aren't afraid to to say some stuff and make some headlines. You know, it's like or like Daniel Jones. It's like you can just kind of skip his media interviews because you know he's he's never gonna say anything. So um, <laughs> you need you need some personalities to balance the Daniel Joneses of the world out.
2: Yeah, man. I think, shame. Yeah, I was just going to move on to the next sort of questions. Unless you had anything, go for it. That. Um, So, I was just going to ask. Obviously, the NFL season officially runs September through to February. If you're, you're lucky enough for some of the teams, um, but as we spoke just before we went on the air, you've had a busy week this week, and next week's going to pick up as well. So, you technically, you know, it's an all year round business with the draft, etc. So, when when do you personally get Downtime, and do you ever get a chance to have a vacation? And you have to literally plan everything around the NFL season or when the off season.
1: Yeah, I no, definitely plan my life around the NFL season. Uh, like my my kids were born in March and May, and obviously some of that was out of me my wife's hands. But that was kind of the time of year we were targeting at least. We, I don't, you know, I have friends on the beat and stuff who've had babies in August, and I don't know how you do it like during the heart of training camp and into the season. It's like that's a that's a busy time, so. Uh, that worked out well. But yeah, it wasn't an accident. I got married in July. That wasn't an accident. You know, you really have to, um, you know, my anniversary every year isn't, you know, on a weekend where there's a game. So that, that was certainly part of uh, even those types of decisions. But yeah, like what I always say to people, a lot of people don't know really much about it. Like, what do you do in the off season? And it's kind of like, what off season? Because the NFL is really smart about how they made this a year round business where it seemed like every month there's some sort of, you know, kind of Tent pole event where it's the combine and it's free agency, then it's the draft, and it's like mini camp. So, the way I describe it to people, it's like say August 1st to we'll say it used to be January 1st. Now the season goes a little longer. If your team doesn't make the playoffs, you're working pretty much every day. Like, you know, you're either at the facility, you're traveling to games, you're at games, like there's practices, training camp is a grind. So, you're, you're working six days a week minimum and you're thinking about it all the time. But let's just say January 1st to August 1st. I'm working from home like 95% of the time. I mean, you'll go to the facility for a couple mini camp practices. You'll go for the, the three days of the draft, but more more often than not, I'm working from home, so that's nice. A ton of flexibility. I kind of can work on my own time, um, and then yeah, as far as down, like real real downtime, it there's about a six week window from when mini camp ends in mid June to training camp starts in late July. We're like the entire NFL world unplugs, and it's a beautiful thing because really nothing happens. You know, knock on wood, you hope there's no off-the-field issues like the DeAndre Baker thing. I think that happened on Memorial Day weekend, I want to say, or around there. So you hope nothing like that happens during your <laughs> offseason, but uh, and now JPP was obviously July 4th. So those types of things you want to avoid, uh, but generally speaking, there's not a lot of transactions. That's the time even the coaches and the GMs they actually, you know, like get to know their family again and that type of stuff. So that that's the best time of year in terms of, being able to unplug not have to be checking your phone, you know, constantly. And then there's just pockets throughout the off season like actually once the giants got eliminated from the playoffs, no coaching search, no GM search. That like 2 or 3 weeks before the Super Bowl wasn't bad because the NFL world's still moving on, but the giants were kind of in like a holding pattern and there wasn't much going on with them day to day. So that was nice. And now it's it's certainly revving up again, you know, free agency. First 3 to 4 days of free agency are probably 3 of the four busiest days of the year right up there with the draft.
2: And then going on with like when it's in the actual season um so do you get to go to every single joints game and also what is a typical game day like for yourself
1: yeah so I do, I do um other than covid i've gone to every road game i want to say since I've been on the beat with the exception of the london game this year it was just uh you know oh. we sent our we Send our Packers writer, you know, there's budgetary issues. I actually had a wedding that weekend, so it kind of worked out well because I have missed a lot of weddings in the fall, uh, through the yeah, years. I uh, but yeah, I went to the first London, not the first on the game, the first on the game since I was in the beat in 2016 when they played the Rams. So yeah, I've, I go to every game, uh, again, with a rare exception. And yeah, game day, is funny, I think it was this is what you do in the losing season, I think it was 2019. I actually wrote a diary of what it's like covering a hopeless team is I think what the headline was because that was when they were really bad and they had <laughs> lost like 10 or 11, 12 games in a row, whatever it was that year. You, you and so, I really, <laughs> so I really documented it because I figured like if they are playing the Packers, you knew they are going to get blown out. I was like, I just can't write another just cookie-cutter story off of another loss. So it was kind of fun. I took people in, inside of it. Um, so I'll give you a brief summation, but people can look that up if they want to get a real detailed look at it. So let's say it's a 1 o'clock home game. It's probably the you know, most standard thing. You know, I'm, I'm up and out the door. got to do, you know, little house duties, walk the dog, you know, get the kids breakfast, whatnot, because then my wife, she's going to have them all day. So I try to do what I can in the morning. But I like to get to the stadium early, like 8.30 ideally. So I'm there like, you know, four, four or and a half hours for the game and just get set up, not be rushed, beat the traffic. A lot of times pregame, you're just looking at stuff, like if there's injuries or you can see like, you know, what the inactives might look like based on who's doing what or if there's any lineup changes, you can get a peek of that and warm-ups. And obviously the game starts at one that ends around four. Then it's probably about an hour there where you get down to the, uh, where the post game stuff is where it's the tables, press conference, open locker room, that, you know, give or take an hour. Then you're back up to the press box. I take kind of a long time, write longer articles. If you guys are subscribers, you're probably aware of that. So let's a yeah. uh, goal of there is to file up, I say 8 PM. And sometimes that might be, uh, that might be a little optimistic, Might be a little later. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully I'm home by 8.39, and at that point I'm just wiped, so I'll sit there you know, hopefully there's a decent Sunday Night Football game on, and I'll just kind of, that's usually when I catch up I don't really even look at my mentions during the game it's just, there's too much going on, so I'll go go—I'll go through Twitter, and it's kind of fun, because you see a lot of stuff, you know, when people are tweeting live and obviously the games have so many twists and turns and, and you'll see, like, how the fan base was ready to, like, you know, fire everybody and you know, cut this guy, and then they end up winning the game how much the tone changes, I actually enjoy doing that It's like oh, it's kind of like how I decompress uh, at the end of the day but it's, it's a long day i mean again back to the first thing i was saying i love it it's not i'm not complaining about it but it, those game days are definitely you know it's like a prior 12 a hour day at work and then it's just you know you're just you're kind of at the end of that you're just kind of worn out
0: but uh, like you said it's a, it's a labor of love so it's not something you don't Absolutely. necessarily not enjoy and um yeah i think going back to last season um You've, obviously, you said like you've covered the team when it's been a bit hopeless over the last few years. But going back to last season, obviously, it was a bit more hopeful. Uh, it was a huge improvement in recent years. Uh, anything that you could change about the season from a Giants perspective, what would it be and what?
1: Anything I could change about the season? Yes.
3: Yeah, so I guess if the Giants had uh, the opportunity to rerun the season, what would, would there be anything you would change about it? Or that McKinney. they would change about it.
1: Uh I mean, I guess uh, either have Adoree Jackson not return punts or have Xavier <laughs> McKinney stay home during the bye week. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise, I mean, the, you know, a lot went well. You know, I mean, obviously, you can sit there and really, you know, if you want to really want to like time travel and say, you know, beat the Eagles. I mean, I, I don't think that was <laughs> going to happen, but um, but it, it's something more, a little more realistic and attainable. Yeah, I mean, if if Adoree and McKinney don't get hurt, uh, you know, I think that that second half where they scuffled a bit, probably, you know, those games probably turned out a little bit better. So I would say that's probably the thing that's kind of realistic that uh, if you could change, you know, one of those two things, um, it might benefit the team. Again, I don't know that it really would have changed the end result because I, I just think the Eagles were obviously a better team. So if they ran into them, that was probably how it was going to finish, but might've been a uh, an even better regular season if, if those guys stayed healthy. Cool. don't
3: know. If Dan might've gone... A little crazy there, so I'll uh, I'll crack on with his. Um, so there were pl- plenty of standouts on the on the team last season. Um, who do you think the Giants view as the most valuable players on offense and defense?
1: Well, it's hard to argue with most valuable on offense after they just gave you know <laughs> Dana Jones 160 million dollars. So I would hope they view him as the most valuable because he certainly uh got the highest value, you know, valuation on the team. So yeah, certainly that, that's. All, all you need to know is, you know, contracts kind of tell you how teams really think about guys. So when you give them, make that type of commitment, they certainly believe in him. They certainly want him to be a guy, expect him to be the guy. So uh, clearly him, I think uh, Andrew Thomas, probably like a, a close second because, you know, that's a premier position. Uh, I think you know, I mean, Thomas is a better left tackle than Daniel Jones is a quarterback, too. So he's probably in, in some respects, you could you could make a case that he's more valuable. Uh, but again, quarterback, this is just, you know, the most important position on the field. Um, so those two guys definitely jump out on an offense. Uh, defensively, I think Dexter Lawrence is going to become that guy. Uh, I mean, he really had that breakout season. It sounds like they're probably going to get something done with him this offseason, or at least that feels like a priority. And I would think he'll become the second highest paid guy in the team whenever that deal is done. Because, you know, that you know Aaron Donald is, is way up there. And then there's that next tier with, like, Leonard Williams and DeForest Buckner and those guys. And I think Dexter Lawrence will land somewhere in between. Like he'd probably be like mid $20 million a year range. I mean, it's going to be a, a monster contract and, and he certainly earned it. Uh, so he's the guy that jumps out. I mean, obviously they have other guys, you know, I think McKinney is going to get paid at some point. Uh, Dory Jackson, Leonard Williams still have big contracts, but I'm not sure that um, this regime will like re-up and, and make a major investment in those two guys. You hope Thibodeau sort of becomes that guy. But I think it's, I think it's pretty easy. Like if you look at, it, I think it's really Daniel Jones and I'll give like, Andrew Thomas, honorable mention, and I think Dexter Lawrence on defense.
3: Fair enough. So talking about the Jones contract, uh, anything that stood out on either of the, the – on the Jones contract? Because from our perspective, and obviously we look at it from a, from the fans, it looks like it was very um, clever by Joe Shane, but also by Daniel Jones in the face of both camps can almost say that they won, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a fair interpretation. I think that's, you know, you don't want to walk away like, wow, one team, you know, or one side got their clock cleaned at the negotiating table. And listen, we've seen examples of that, you know, the Kenny Galladay contract, uh, the Nate Solder contract, where, like, you know, those sides certainly came out ahead. And, of course, you know, a lot of that was based on performance. So if Daniel Jones doesn't perform well, then, you know, it looked like a bad contract for the Giants. But just looking at the structure of it, it was was interesting because, you know, you had that franchise tag deadline. Obviously, they came right down to the wire. And I think (laughs) – I think that tag deadline gave Daniel Jones a little more leverage than the Giants because, you know, Joe Shane hasn't made a secret of it, especially after the fact. He called it the worst case scenario. Like they did not want to tag Daniel Jones. So I think that they have to give a little more. But, you know, with any negotiation, both sides are going to have to give something. I think the the big win, in my opinion, for Daniel Jones is getting $82 million guaranteed over the first two years of the deal. Like that's that's real. That's a real Investment that's real guaranteed money. That's if he got tagged twice, it would have been like 11 million less than that. So he's getting hmm. the security of not having to, you know, get a second tag and also 11 million dollars more, even if he was to get tagged twice. So that to me is really strong for him and then for the Giants. I think in year three, the big win they got is having no guarantees in year three until year three comes. Which I mean, at that point, obviously, if you're still there, you know, pay him so it doesn't matter if it's guaranteed or not. But the fact that a lot of times these big money uh, quarterback contracts. Some uh, big chunk of the year three guarantee often triggers in year two and no one's cutting a guy one year into this deal. Like no matter how bad Daniel Jones is, they're not, they're not certainly going to look to cut him after one year, but maybe after two and the fact that none of those guarantees in year three trigger until year three, I think that's a big win. Just to give them flexibility. Listen, you, you make this type of investment. You don't want to be thinking about getting out of it in two years that, you know, you know that's certainly not going to be an optimal outcome, but just in terms of a guy who, you know, hasn't proven a ton, Having that flexibility, I think, is a win. But I, I think, honestly, overall, I think it's it's a strong contract for Daniel Jones. I mean, whether you think he's worth forty million dollars a year, but just how the contract was put together, I think he got um, you know some I don't want to say concessions, but I think he got some of the things he was looking for. Um, and uh, you know, even the incentives are, are relatively attainable. A lot of times, the incentives are kind of these pie in the sky things, like oh, you got to win MVP, you got to win the Super Bowl. Like his are realistic that he can at- obtain some of them. So I think um, you know it's, it's a good deal for him.
3: So, obviously, free agency is starting to ramp up. And today we have a certain ex giant in Odell Beckham who's got a workout. And I believe the Giants are attending that. How likely do you reckon it is that he ends up back in blue?
1: Hmm. I mean, obviously, there's some level of interest. Sorry, I just got to plug my computer in here. Uh, There's some level of interest. They wouldn't have brought him in for the uh, little free agent tour during the season. But now, you know, now he's healthy. Now he's going to have 32 teams in the market for him. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I covered Odell. I liked Odell. I don't know if it's the greatest idea to kind of go back down that road. You know, it's, it's – I think sometimes it's kind of best to just, like, leave things where they are. At the same time, I think if the wide receiver market was stronger in free agency, you might not even have any interest. But he's probably the guy with the highest upside. You know, I mean, there's definitely some risk there. You're talking about a guy who's 30 coming off two ACLs. But what he looked like, you know, in the second half of that season there with the Rams before he, you know, before he tore the ACL, he looked like a game-changing type player, and that's what the Giants need. So, I really don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm really torn. Like I, I could see it happening, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't really bet on it because I just feel like there's so much water under that bridge. Like I mean, and he's gonna be looking for real money. Is that where they're gonna want to spend after you know, obviously, uh, all the other holes they need to address? Like. I don't know. I kind of think they might patch wide receiver together this year um, with some mid-level guys, but I, I definitely can't close the door. And especially, you know, they, they brought him in during the season. They're, they're at least checking him out. So there is definitely uh, a level of interest for sure.
3: Cool. And then finally for me today, you said 14 million, 14.4 million cap space. Uh, two questions, something with Leonard Williams contracts was one of the things you said, uh, do you know what that something might entail? And obviously, you've also mentioned about this already. But Adoree Jackson's cap numbers rising to ten million, uh, rising by ten million this year. Do you think Shane will address that, or that it will just stay static?
1: There's been really no chatter about Adoree. I think they're just gonna like ride that one out. I mean, cornerback, such an important position in this defense. They don't really have anybody else who's a proven corner, so I don't think they can get too cute there. I mean, yeah, it hurts to probably give him a twenty million dollar cap hit this year, but Kind of is what it is. I think they ride it out. You know, it's the last year of the deal. They can, you know, move on next year, resign and whatever. I don't think they're going to uh, do anything drastic there. Yeah, with the Leonard Williams, I just did the something because it's, it's unclear how bad will play out. Um, I don't think he'll take a pay cut. I don't see why he would. And I think if you look at it, everyone says, oh, take a pay cut, take a pay cut. If you're the Giants, that means you have to go to one of your best players, a guy who's, you know, played his butt off, been productive and say, you know, we don't think you're worth what you're making. Like, here's a $6 million – because you're not going to do a $2 million pay cut. That doesn't give you – the juice isn't worth the squeeze there. That so it have to be like four to $6 million. And if Leonard Williams turns around and says, no, then you, you have to cut him. You know, it's like – it's one of these things that an executive told me this one time before, and and you see it all the time. It happened with Adam Thielen, I just saw this morning. Once a team broaches a pay cut, they have to be prepared to follow through cutting the player because otherwise the relationship is, is so damaged that, you know, it's, you can't just like, hey, I never mind, I was just kidding about that pay cut. You know, I said so we still value you. So – I don't see them getting to that point. And maybe if they tag Jones, it might have been a little stickier with their cap space. They might have said, listen, we, you have to take this pay Cutter. we just can't make it work. Maybe that would happen. They can't really play that card with Jones, uh, with Williams' agent. So I think what probably happens – well, I think what's the best for all concerned, probably like a short-term extension. Like I looked at Grady Jarrett last year, got a three-year extension around $50 million. I think he's a pretty similar player to Leonard Williams. I think that would be a fair outcome. Leonard gets more guaranteed money but they can knock that uh, cap it this year way down. You're keeping a good player. I mean, I know he had the injuries this year, but I don't know if that's a sign he's breaking down. I mean, the guy has been Man to this point. So I think keeping him in the fold, that because, I mean, their the defensive line is a weakness, really. So you're going to take the only other really good player besides Dexter Lawrence and make it even weaker. That That's hard for me to swallow. So that's why I don't think he'll be cut. Um, and then the other option would be a restructure, he has a void year next year. They can push money out there. I think that's probably a last resort. That was the term Shane used a lot last year was restructuring for last resorts. Uh, but I, I think the extension makes the most sense. Now it's just a matter of, um, you know, Leonard Williams' and the agents have been pretty tough negotiators. They've, they've squeezed uh, quite a bit out of the Giants coffers every time they're at the negotiating table. So uh, maybe that maybe that can't happen. They have to go to restructure restructure. It. It'll be interesting. There's no way I don't think they just leave him at $32 million a year. That, that's a, That's a monster
0: cap hit. Yeah, a little bit too much, I think. I mean, it's what, it's what
1: Jones would have got on the tag. So if you're saying that there's exactly. prohibitive a quarterback with that cap hit, what, what do you think about having an interior defense alive? And so, yeah, they, I think they need to do something. And what that something is
0: kind of remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll find out soon.
2: <laughs> so, um, obviously, we've got free agency coming up. We've had a couple of weeks with free agency. but If we look just a little bit further into the future, in around six weeks' time, all the eyes all turn to Kansas for the NFL draft. Um, so I was just wondering, regarding the draft, obviously, we've got quite a few holes. And if you look at the mocks that are going on, we've, we've had a variety of positions mocked us in the first round. Is there any particular player that you personally would like us to take? And maybe not necessarily in the first round, any any point in the draft? Is there any standout players that you really like?
1: I'll be honest, I'm not like a big draft guru. Like I kind of take that as it comes. So I haven't I don't watch college football during the season. I can tell you that part going back to that yes, my schedule. Saturday is my day where either I'm traveling or if I'm home. That's you know, it's kind of a family day. So I just I don't sit there and watch a lot of college football. I mean, I I I, I like to say I'm like a, a fast study. Dane Dame Bruegler, who does all our draft stuff for the athletic, is tremendous. So I definitely cram, you know, when the beast drops a couple weeks for the draft. And got, like, I'm aware of guys, you know, for me at the combine and stuff. So I can't say I have a specific guy. I mean, obviously, I know the names of, like, wide receiver and cornerback who could be there at 25, uh, but I can't sit and pretend I have a strong take on them. I'm more focused on free agency at this stage of the game. But I do think – so rather than go a specific player, I think position-wise, wide receiver and cornerback makes the most sense. I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens in free agency. Uh, but, you know, I think Shane's big on you know, using premium resources on premium positions. So you're talking about a first-round pick, right, that's not in the top 10, which, you know, it's a good problem to have. They're not picking up that high for, for a change. Uh, you know, I think you're going to want to use that resource to get one of those high-paid positions so you can have a guy under a cost-controlled contract for the next, you know, four years and a fifth-year option. It's funny, like, where that T. Higgins uh, trade rumors came out and the, uh, the Bengals GM shot it down saying, hey, go get your own. And I think that's what the Giants need to do. They need to use that 25th pick to go find their T. Higgins, go find their Brandon Ayuk, some of these guys who get tossed around uh as potential trade targets it's like well those teams you know they did the hard part they scouted that guy they found that guy in the late first early second round and obviously they've been productive players so i think that should be the giants approach uh, the cornerback you know kind of goes in that same basket where uh, we talked about a dory you know kind of an uncertain future so i think they need to stock that position up and i think that's a spot where they could probably get a guy who you know be a good number two and with you know upside to potentially be a number one
2: yeah, and I think if you look at the mock drafts, it's kind of that 25 position is either just going to be maybe that they'll all just be gone off the board, or we might just say get wide receiver three or cornerback three, four to us. If right. the were to happen and say the wide receivers and cornerbacks are gone, do you think the Giants will maybe target another position? Or do you think that maybe Joe Shane will look at maybe moving either up if, there's only, say, one receiver left, or could he move Dayward, gaining more draft capital either for this year or future years? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: he's going to be flexible with it. Um, and I think the other thing is, and he said this, like, you know, they're the roster obviously, uh, I mean, they had a good season, but the roster obviously still has some holes. So they, they can't really go wrong with choosing best player available. Like if there's a offensive guard or center that they love at 25, like they can go there. If there's a linebacker, they can go there. I mean, there's plenty of positions that they could target there. So uh, I think that they could stay put and get a fine player but yeah i mean i think maybe if there's a little run of wide receivers say in the late teens it wouldn't shock me if they made a kind of a small move up to get somebody at 20 or something like that i don't think they're gonna do anything drastic and try and get in the top 10 but you could definitely see if some positions of need uh, start to come off the board i wouldn't be shocked if they did that or you know or vice versa go the other way if they just kind of said like the value is not there let's go stock up so yeah i think i think kind of all options around the table uh, it's it's just interesting you know covering a team that has a 25th pick. It's been a while. It's you know, like Evan Ingram. It's like we're used to covering top 10. You can narrow it down to like these handful of guys and you knew it would be one of them. Uh, it's different now. There's such a wide array of uh, variables to determine who will even be there when they're on the clock.
0: But it's a nice problem to have. I'd rather Absolutely. Be pick- I'd rather be picking at 25 than the top 10 every year because at least we're playing good football. No doubt. Cool. Um, we're going to finish off just some- with some uh, quick fire questions for you. Um and yeah, I'm back in the room. I had connection issues. I'm good, all good now. Um, so, you, when you're sitting back on a Sunday evening and watching watching Sunday night football, which do you rather watch, offense or watch the defense? Oh, that's an interesting question.
1: I, I say offense. I mean, I'm, when I'm sitting there watching on TV, I'm not trying to get too uh, too advanced with it. So, yeah, everyone likes to watch uh, watch the offense light it up,
0: point scoring. That's what it comes down to, right? Absolutely. Cool. Uh, would you rather watch uh, a player break a run or make a highlight catch?
1: I go highlight catch. You know, like you know, just in, talking to Adele earlier, it's off the top. You know, like one of those great one-handed catches, which are like you know, he did that, and it was like no one's ever seen him for it. I see one like once every couple of weeks, but yeah, I think the, the highlight catches is, is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think he. Just blew, when I, I remember watching that catch on the Sunday Night Football game, it was against the Cowboys, and he just blew up after that. And yeah, it's crazy how something that I mean looks essentially simple, but it's clearly not. But <laughs> just that one play just can have such a huge effect on someone's career after that. Totally. Um, uh, so, talking about jerseys, we got Giants have got four jerseys. Which do you prefer, home, road, color rush, or legacy?
1: Oh, definitely color rush. I think the color rush. Should become their road uniforms. I think they're so much better than their uh, their standard. Road. I don't get it. They have the red, the big blue. Like I just it doesn't even make sense to me. Like their road uniform. I'm sure there's some historical thing. I'm not even paying attention to. But the the blue, like the the white with the blue, I think it's so sharp. I think that should that should be their new road full time road uniforms.
0: And I love the old Giants logo on the side of the head as well. That looks awesome, cool. Um, what's your biggest highlight covering the Giants in the in the years that you covered them? Your personal highlight? Ooh. That's a
1: good question, uh, man. I have to think about that. I mean, obviously, there's like there's stories that you write that really, you know, go viral for lack of a better word. That's cool. Like I did the one on um Dable, how he assembles coaching staff leading into the playoff game this week, and that really kind of caught like wildfire, which was pretty cool. It's a lot of took a lot of work, a lot of reporting. I didn't really know how it received, and it really uh, got a ton of kind of publicity and attention. So that's that's always a a fun and rewarding feeling. Uh, you know, I broke that James Bradbury got released last year. That was a story that I was really tracking. So, like, I don't even like listen. I try to break every piece of news I can, but I'm also realistic that it's really hard to beat Adam Schefter and Ian Rapoport, Mike Garofalo, those guys to the punch. So when you get one on a fairly big story, like you know, like a guy like James Bradbury getting released, that definitely feels good. I won't I won't lie about that. So those, those are two kind of different categories, like a story that you put a lot of time into and people receive it well. Or just a news story that you beat everyone else on. Like they're both
0: rewarding in their own way. Yeah, that's a it's a nice mark on your name when you get a big story break. <laughs> like that, take, right? take it when you can just get it. And get a pat on the back from the boss. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously you said about you don't really pay much attention to the games in themselves, but do you have do you have a favorite game that you've actually attended? Uh, as in like
3: Ooh...
1: Um... Yeah, and to be clear, like I said, I don't pay attention to the games. I mean, I don't, like, have a rooting interest in the games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, like, a lot of times it is sort of the experience. Like, I love – the two games in Minnesota uh, were great. Like, that's that's my favorite stadium. I haven't been to Vegas. We'll get there next year. Uh, Minnesota is just an awesome stadium. And the cool part is for, for the media, obviously, usually you're in a press box because it's climate-controlled and, you know, if it's negative degrees out in, you know, Lambeau Field, you don't want to be out in the elements. But since Minnesota's in the Dome – It's it's an open air press box. There's no plexiglass, so you can really feel and hear the crowd. That definitely uh, bumps it up. And one of the best moments was so obviously Nick Gates had that quote where, after the uh, first game, he said it wasn't as loud as I expected. Whatever, and it became literally became bold for material because the I think it was the first offensive snap of the playoff game. He gets called for a holding. So then they put his picture with that quote (laughs) up on on the big screen, and the place went. Nuts, and they got the horn. Like it was, it was a great atmosphere. Obviously, they you know they won again. I'm sitting there like, they don't root for them, but hey, it's fun when the team you covers wins a big playoff game, and everyone's going crazy in the locker room. Like it's, 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 I'm not saying like I you know totally remove all emotion. Like it was still an enjoyable experience. So that I mean, maybe that's a little regency bias, but again, there was a five year stretch there where there were a lot of memorable games. So uh, so no, I think yeah, I'd say those two Minnesota games. Uh, obviously, different outcomes for the Giants, but just the atmosphere. For both, were really electric and, and really great games and uh, just just fun to be a part of.
0: Nice. Uh, so that kind of probably leads on to the next question: in the your favorite stadium you visited? Is that Yeah, Bank it's, stadium.
1: It's definitely it's definitely. I'm trying to think of who even gives a run for more. I mean, Dallas. Maybe I'm a little uh, desensitized because you go every year, but that every time you walk in there, it really like it lives up to you know the hype and the billing. Like you know, if you go with someone for the first time, like uh, Charlotte Carroll, my B partner this was her first year covering the NFL. So she was experiencing everything the first time. And like, you could just see her reaction. Like when she walked in, like it's, it's, it's really something. Uh, That's definitely a great one. Like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to get to Vegas next year. Uh, Was at Seattle this year? I mean, that was definitely as kind of loud as advertised, but I would say to this point, and maybe it's just the fact that the games were really good to put it over the top in Minnesota. it has got the top spot
0: for me. Nice. What about your least favorite stadium?
1: Oh, that's the easiest question of the whole thing. Washington. That place is... Wow. I knew dump. you were going to go Washington. I knew you are going to go Washington. It's a dump. It's hard to get to. The food stinks in the press box. The vantage point. I know if you follow us on Twitter, every reporter would just like obligated to tweet the photo from the from the uh, press box where you got like a pole in front of you. <laughs> and, the, and you're like... like you think you want to be low, but it's, it's kind of better to have a bird's eye view. And when you're, you're low there, so if the ball's on the other side of the field, you don't know, you know, like Saquon runs the ball around right end. You don't know it's a two-yard gain or an eight-yard gain because you have no depth perception. I mean, it is—it's the worst. <laughs> the, the faster d- dance area can sell, and they can build a new stadium. I think everyone will win if that's the result. It's hopefully coming sooner than later.
0: Yeah, I've had uh, quite a few bad things about so bad. The, uh, about the Washington Stadium. Um, so you said about the the catering in the in the press box. Which stadium has the best catering option?
1: no that's definitely dallas they jerry does not spare any expenses on anything and even with the media takes takes care of us uh and so they played there on thanksgiving this year so like i didn't want to tell my mother this or my wife this but like the spread i got in the press box probably better than what i would have got if i stayed home i mean they really carving (laughs) stations and every side and desserts i mean they really they went all out and that's just standard they've they've really good food and it's it's high quality and a lot of it so yeah that's they're, they're certainly number one uh, in the rankings, in my opinion, for food.
0: I mean, everything's bigger in Dallas, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, they like I said, Jerry Jones is not someone who, who, who spares any expense on anything. So even taking care of the media, he goes all out.
0: Yeah. So um, last couple. So who's the funniest either current or past player that you've ever interviewed?
1: Oh, man. These are going ones. They put me on the spot. My mind's not uh, firing as quick as it needs to be. <laughs> Funniest player? Trying to like go through the guys on the team now. Um, give give me a second to think about that. Ask me the next one. And I'll, I'll try. No and, I'll try and work <laughs> on that <laughs> one. The, the next one might not be any easier. <laughs> uh, no, no.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay. Go with the current players. Go go in the current current squads from last year. Who, who who's probably the funniest set of current squad? Yeah, so I'm trying to think like who's
1: funny and like I'm trying to think. Maybe if I have qualified like funny like like dexter lawrence has like a, a, a like a jovial personality i don't know if i'd say he's funny <laughs> uh <laughs> graham gano is actually kind of sneaky funny like he's he would, you know i think kickers are always kind of like putting their own bucket but he's got a pretty good personality he's kind of always in the mix like i'm sure i'm forgetting somebody kind of obvious but the, uh, that's that's the best i can do on the spot
0: i'm sure i'm sure they would not take what about uh
1: what about haddie
0: had oh he, my gosh! See, there it is. Yes, yeah, Hadi had
1: strikes me as
3: someone who is crazy to deal with.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, next, if you ask any more and I'm dying on the vine like that, feel free to offer suggestions. Hi, definitely, <laughs> easily, yes. I mean, he is—he's one of the biggest personalities I've ever covered. I mean, you guys see just the stuff with the flipping the birds to the cameras and doing somersaults on the—that's just on the field. In the locker room, it's the whole. I mean, he is, yes, absolutely Hadi. I knew I was kind of forgetting somebody. He is—he's kind of a larger-than-life character. He's—he's—he's he's, he's a trip. I hope he's back. Again, for selfish purposes, I hope he's back because he's just an entertaining guy to cover and be around.
0: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised he's up there. Yeah, and that's a last great one. last one then. So you're at dinner and you get your dream three guests to have dinner with. Who are they? And why?
1: From any walk of life?
0: Any walk of life.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh Hottie? No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me think about. it. I'll try and get some th- three. So I think I'm just, first one was kind of my, I think I'd have to go Larry David just cause I'm a big Seinfeld, Kirby enthusiasm guy. Cool, I think he would be very interesting to just, you know, be around and hear his, you know, sort of thoughts on the world. But then it would be entertaining for sure. Uh, again, going back to my basketball and Boston roots, I probably have to say Larry bird, just, uh, now, I kind of was a little young to really be a, a huge fan of his, but he was still the guy when you're out in Boston. Uh, so I'd say he'd be kind of a, a cool one to have. And then one more. Man, there's got to be somebody obvious that I'm forgetting.
0: So you've gone TV, I mean, you've gone sports. What about someone from music or.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I guess my favorite musician is Tom Petty. I don't know if like he would be an unbelievable dinner guest, but you you gave me that hint, so I'll go with that one. You know, maybe yeah, I'll change my Tom mind to more <laughs> That's a
0: that's a that's gonna be a great dinner and you can sit down and chill with them 3 and that'd be really cool. Some uh, some decent guests there as well, actually. I'd like that. <laughs> cool. That's the uh that's the end of the quick fire questions and that's the end of all of our questions for you, Dan. Um Thanks. <laughs> but we uh, we just want to uh, again just reiterate so like you've taking the time out to speak to us. I know it's been the best part of 45 minutes, but um we um, like appreciate you coming on to speak to us this evening, this afternoon. um you know, we love love the work you do with our, the athletic. Uh, love the work Charlotte does as well your, your beat partner as well it's, you know you you two guys are the are the main reason the three of us subscribe to the athletic. so you know, we really appreciate your work, we really appreciate your time. Um, and hopefully, it's not the last time that we get to speak to you either.
1: Yeah, no, hey, my pleasure coming on. It's cool to have uh, to know that there's people you know reading kind of all over the world. So that's that's really cool. And uh, yeah, no, definitely. Craig has my email, so um, yeah. so hit me up. And we'll, we'll do it
0: again yeah, he no, sure. he no doubt will. We're we're, uh, we're planning on coming over to the states later on in, in the year to uh, to a game, the game day weekend. So uh, yeah, we, oh, if we could just hook up with a and just say hey, and you know, grow a beer or something at some point.
1: Yeah that'd be great hit me up
0: awesome but yeah i really appreciate your time man and um thanks for coming on all right thanks i you guys. Guys. enjoyed it cool uh that is all we've got time for this time around giants fans uh we will be back next week at our usual spot 8 30 on wednesday evening and uh, to talk all things free agency um anything else to add before we go craig or shane
2: no nah, just great interview um no offense to anyone else previously, but probably the, the number one interview that we've had since we've been going. So uh thanks ever so much for joining us.
3: I also think that Kev would be very, very upset if we didn't mention that he was so upset that he couldn't, he couldn't be on here tonight. He's at a country music festival at the OT, and he even joined us from the hotel room earlier just to say that we have to reiterate that he loves he loves reading the articles as well. <laughs> um and yeah, we've um We'll have to reach out to Charlotte and have her on, so we'd love to, you know, get some in- insight into how her you know, how her first year's gone, because um, we've all loved reading her stuff too. So,
1: absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Glad we could do
0: this. Yeah, man cheers for sure we're uh, we're glad you could join us Uh, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit that little bell to get the latest updates and notifications follow us on Twitter on Facebook and Instagram just search for Big Blue UK and Ireland Uh, you can also find us on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page get in touch with us via email to bigblueukirl at gmail.com and my thanks as ever go to Shane and to Craig and to you Dan for joining us uh, and to you the listeners for tuning in we are signing off until next time